0: Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe. My name is Jeff. And we're going to answer your questions today, but first, I have a question. Jeff, yeah. How are you doing today? Doing uh doing pretty good. I had my uh
1: first week of my new job outside of like the training schedule.
0: Okay. How is it? I'm
1: liking it. Like it's really frustrating. It's a lot to take in all at once. Mm -hmm. And like they're, they're very uh, understanding of that. They're like, this is a lot of crap we're throwing at you. So like they're, they're very understanding company or at the very least the, the, the team that I'm working with is very understanding. Sure. So, and I'm working remotely. Like my, I was home all week. Like, I I feel like, I, I don't think I've showered in several days. Like, this is, oh, like, you know. Oh, Jeff. I, well, I mean, like, I gotta, I you know. I can smell you through the microphone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I still gotta get used to, I still gotta adjust to working from home. Yeah. Um. Like, there's definitely some adjustments I need to make. Like, I need to go outside more. Sure. Um, I might even start going for a drive in the morning to help wake me up. Oh, because, interesting. Like, at least for the first few days where I was working from home, like, I was so groggy. Yeah. I was like, I was so tired and like for a really long time through like half the day, I just felt like so tired. But then like the couple of times that I went into the office during training because they want us to at least go in a few times. But during training, they wanted us in there at least for like most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, going into the office, like I would drive into the office. And then mm-hmm. when I was there, I was fine. Like I, I was, I felt awake as as awake as I usually am during the morning at yeah. work. So like... I was like, maybe, like maybe a drive around the neighborhood or something might wake me up or something like that. So, so making small adjustments to remote work, but I ultimately I'm enjoying it much more than my last job. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the honeymoon phase will end eventually, and I'll hate hate the job to a certain extent. But I think sure, and like I will have to go into the office periodically, and I think they want to, they want me to go in at least once a week, and maybe down the line they'll have us go in more often depending on how you know the world is um but i don't know i'm i'm, I'm kind of hoping that it'll be mostly mostly remote cuz i you know i enjoy not having to go into work and see people and anyway i, I won't babble too long i've already babbled too much about <laughs> my new job but it's better it's way better than my last job and it's remote uh and i'm getting paid more and I don't know yeah it's going it's going well so awesome yeah it sounds sounds great sorry sorry to talk about uh good (laughs) good job stuff but how are you doing
0: Uh, i'm doing all right so uh you know my work is is my work it's busy we actually uh after thanksgiving had uh we had an extra an extra two days off i guess like i was expecting to have to work that saturday and that sunday they didn't schedule that Sunday which was cool and then they canceled Saturday the morning of so i got a 4 day weekend it was uh, is pretty sweet nice um you know got some stuff done around the house and uh you know trying to get stuff ready for christmas i got a lot of a lot of stuff on my on my plate i suppose um yeah. no pun intended cuz you know thanksgiving and everything um <laughs> one thing that i am doing for christmas I'm I'm making something for my wife. There's a guy on Reddit who came up with uh, this thing. It's a little 3D printed TV that looks like the TV on The Simpsons. Oh, sure. And it has a, a little screen inside and a Raspberry Pi computer. Mm-hmm. And it's programmed to just play episodes of The Simpsons just on random. So, like, you turn it on and it'll just be playing an episode. And then when that episode's done, it just goes to another episode. And then when that episode's done, just goes randomly to another one and so on. Nice. And there's a, he made a guide for it. And, you know, it all looks simple. So I've like 3D printed the parts. I've bought all the components and stuff. But holy crap, it is a lot of work and it is very confusing work. I've had to solder a whole bunch of components together that are all very, very small mm. and very easy to mess up. And also, there's, you know, I don't know how to program a Raspberry Pi. The, there's instructions in the guide, but. Like, some of the things aren't, don't work exactly as they're described. Like, the instructions aren't quite accurate. Right, because like, it
1: depends on, like, the version of the Pi that you have and right. the version of the software of the or the BIOS or, you know, yeah. like
0: Yeah, but I've still got several weeks, you know. And I've done all of the, the, the soldering, presumably, is, like, the hard part, I guess. If right. I can get... Yeah. simple instructions on how to do the, the software stuff. It should just be a matter of just type this, type this, type this. Yeah. If That doesn't work. I can start over. There's nothing stopping me from just starting over. And like, um, even if I, I feel like, even if you're
1: like, that's a work in progress. Sorry. Uh, sh- I'm sure she'll, she'll it, like, she'll be able to see the TV thing, you know, I guess. Like, yeah. And we'll probably be excited about it. So like, no, I think that's a really good gift. That's, that's a good idea.
0: Yeah. So anyway, um, Everybody out there who who maybe does this sort of stuff for fun, like programs stuff, <laughs> you're better than me. <laughs> yeah,
1: right.
0: uh, I have yeah, no like, idea I, what I'm doing. As nerdy as
1: I am, I haven't gotten into I haven't gotten as far as soldering yet. So, yeah. Uh, but that is something on my that is something on my bucket list of like is to like get to the point in my nerdiness where I'm soldering things. Sure.
0: Anyway, so I mean, you know, not really much else going on, just work. Uh, I guess let me extend a thank you to uh, Jacob, Jacob C, who was on our episode last week. I thought that was a, a very fun episode, um, and uh, I will. I'll let everybody know because we only have a few episodes left. We do have one more guest episode planned. Whether the schedules allow for it to happen or not, we will find out. But uh, yeah, we're, we're basically done with with guests for the show. So, let me just extend a big thank you to all of our guests that we've had in the past. We've had a lot of them, as we—I uh, don't know if it's made it into the final episodes or not, but like I've—I've I've talked about it with you, Jeff, in uh, previous uh-huh. weeks. We've had a lot of guests over the last yeah. five years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like so, it's—it it's, was kind of surprising hearing about. i like, oh wow, yeah. And I—we earlier we
0: were trying to remember them all, mall, but. <laughs> Don't say that, Jeff, because then it'll it'll sound like we don't remember them all. Well, I don't you don't know, want everybody like, to know that. It's, <laughs> like I, well, the thing is, is like I don't remember ever having a bad time with the guests. See, oh like, no, yeah, no, I every one of our guest episodes have been so much fun. Right. If like, it's just
1: I'm just saying, like, people understand this. Like, if I don't remember it, it's because it was good. Sure. <laughs> it was because like because if it was bad, I would remember. But it's been five <laughs> years, so I, some of them I'm not going to remember. People understand yep. that. But like, if it was five years ago and it was bad, I would I would remember every detail.
0: <laughs> sure, sure.
1: So so yeah, so I we've 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 had a great we've had a great time with guest episodes. So. Yes. So yeah, thank you, I've, everybody.
0: Yes, thank you. Big, huge thank you to everybody who's everybody who's guest on the show. You've you've helped make the show as awesome as it is. Um, I guess on that note you want to go ahead and get into this episode? Sure. Okay. So, Jeff, I want you to imagine that uh, there's a weird family that has moved in <laughs> down the block from you. It, is it me? Uh that's to be determined. Okay. So, you one day you think, "Okay, there's this weird family down there. Let me go let me go introduce myself." So you bring over, I don't know, a casserole or like a basket of muffins or something. Cookies? Cookies there? Oh, of course, of course. Your yeah. uh, Jeff's chocolate chip cookies, listeners. Jeff's chocolate chip cookies are fantastic.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I have been <laughs>
0: craving them ever since the last time he gave us some. <laughs> so I, I I like making them. I think they're delicious. Like I yes. make them the way I
1: like them. So uh, yeah. So anyway, anyway, thank anyway.
0: You. So thank you. You show up um, at uh, you know down the down the street. You show up with this big basket of of chocolate chip cookies, and. It's this tall black house. You knock on the door, and then after a moment or two, this very very large individual. Now, hang on. You're probably thinking, "Oh, it's a dragon." No, it's not a dragon. It's just a very, just a very tall, maybe like a half orc or something. A uh, very very tall individual answers the door, doesn't speak, just kind of looks down at you, pale face, uh, gestures for you to follow him. So. Okay. okay. You know, you're you're being a, a friendly neighbor, so you follow him inside. And then you go inside and you see this weird cavalcade of people. There's uh an uncle that's bald. There's uh you know, in my mind I'm actually combining this with the monsters by mistake. <laughs> so whatever, whatever. You no, go no, in, right. like, it's fine. This is there's a an uncle that's anyway, bald, there's a grandpa that's a vampire, the one of the people is like a Frankenstein's monster. Anyway, you you go up and you uh hand them these these cookies, you introduce yourselves, and then while while you're making pleasantries with the new neighbors down the street, you begin to remember that this house, before they built this house, this was actually built on, there was an old cave that there was supposedly treasure buried inside. And you think you know how they got the money to build this house and all buy all this weird stuff that they have in their house. And do you know where that money came from Jeff? Where did it come from Gabe? You think that that money came from the dragon's whore. I don't know if that story made any sense whatsoever. (laughs) So this is like the family that moved into the property over where my old neighbor was. See, I don't know. I don't know. Listeners, <laughs> listeners, I've been doing this for a very long time. I thought you were going to make like time. an Adams family joke. Uh, well, that's joke where it's like the Dragon's family. I don't know. That's way better than what I would have done. Um, should I go back and do that instead? <laughs> no, it's fine. In my mind, I was like, "Oh, this will be so much fun. I'll make it'll so make so much sense." And then as I got into it, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing.
1: What is uh, happening?
0: Anyway, We're we're going on with it anyway. So today's magic item was submitted by Sean M. via Facebook. And the item is the finger trap, the finger. This mundane device is often introduced by a king or emperor's second in command to determine the capability of an adventurer to overcome a challenge. The adventurer places each of their index fingers into the mouth of a dragon head which sits at each end of a small, dragon-scale stylized cylinder. The adventurer will be asked to remove themselves from the trap. An intelligence or wisdom check with DC 14 or a strength check at or below a DC 10 will remove themselves from the trap." Hmm. And then Sean added, "'I thought this would be a good way to introduce a party to the emperor and set the initial tone of any conversation.'" And that's basically it. It's it's a it's a finger trap, you know, yeah. similar to like the Chinese finger trap. Specifically, the finger trap from the Adams Family movie, which is where my very misguided Dragons' Horde intro <laughs> is, was sort of coming from. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's a little finger trap. You put your fingers into it, and then once they're in there, you can't get your fingers out unless you succeed on a intelligence or wisdom check, or you essentially fail a strength check because as we all know with those sorts of finger traps the more you pull on them the tighter they get mm. although when i was a kid i had one of those and one of my friends put on his fingers and he just broke it <laughs> so who's the winner now you
1: know? so maybe so, maybe this should be like a strength if it's like you know 30 or above dc or something like that you can sure
0: sure so you, you have to get a, a strength check. If you, if you get a strength check between a 10 and a 20, you fail. Right. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. But no, yep. like, I like that. I think that's neat. That's yep. like, yeah, like a, a strength check at or below 10. Sure. That is that is definitely, I would say that's the standout mechanic about this. I mean, because there isn't really mechanics to this. Right. Uh, this, this is, you know, it's an example of a magic item that is not meant to be, it's not a weapon. It's not a... You know, a a thing to attack somebody with or to help an adventurer along their journey. It's just kind of, it's a fun little device that serves a purpose in the story. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you could theoretically have this be some kind of a, uh, a restraint device. You could put one of these on a bad guy or something, and then they might not think to fail a strength check. I don't know. So this could be, you know, something like this could be used as a device to restrain somebody. But uh, for the purpose that it serves, I think it's, it's I think it's cool. I think it's a fun reference, of course. And uh, yeah, could serve a, just a fun little purpose in the story where they are going to be meeting somebody in a position of power. And the person just wants to see how the adventurers, how they approach challenges, how they overcome challenges. And then they can use that as their... Uh, Use that as the determining factor of whether they want to hire them, for example. Right, yeah. Can you get out of this finger trap? Yeah. You're hired. (laughs) Well, now I'm trying to think of, like, are there other types of traps you can put the players in where they can only get out by failing a check? Hmm. Like, what if there were something, what if there was an illusory maze where the only way to escape the maze, like maybe they're told that this is an illusion or that there are illusions in the maze, but the only way that they can follow the maze, the only way they can get to the correct ending of the maze is by letting themselves fall victim to the illusion. Like maybe without the illusion, Mm. the maze is a lot more confusing because there's like, maybe there's an illusion that's covering up a dead end. So you wouldn't go to that dead end if you saw the illusion, but you would go to that dead end if you were seeing through the illusion because you made your save. Sure, Or something. Huh. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. That's an interesting concept.
0: Yeah. So I guess listeners, think about that. Think about, are there challenges that could be better overcome by failing a check or a save rather than succeeding? Something that is intentionally made to subvert the expectations of someone who is trying to overcome it. Hmm. Anyway, but I think that that's an interesting direction to go in. So thank you very much to Sean M. Um, did you have anything else to say about this, Jeff? No, I think it's neat. I, it's, okay. you know, it's simple, but like, yeah, that the
1: whole, just the concept of, you know, you pass if you get below the DC. Yeah. Like Kind of like, it's, it's like goat ball.
0: You got your goat ball AC. <laughs> You got your finger trap, uh, finger trap check.
1: Yeah. Your finger, yeah, your finger, your, yeah, your finger trap DC.
0: All right. uh, So once again, that was the finger trap submitted by Sean M via Facebook. Thank you very much. Sean M. Uh, Jeff, if anybody else wanted to submit magic items for the Dragons' Horde, or questions for our main segment or stories for the funeral pyre or retirement village, I'm going to say that there's probably not time to do so, but Hey, uh, go for it. Try it out. (laughs) See what happens. How would they do so? They can send us an email at interpartyconflict
1: at gmail.com or join us on our Interparty Discord at bit.ly slash interparty discord.
0: That's correct. Um, And uh, I just want to remind all of our listeners that after episode 250, we're going to be doing uh, one final bonus episode. It's going to be like an after party episode. So uh, if you want to submit any kind of audio, you can get your voice on the podcast Anything you want to say to us, anything you want to say to our listeners, we welcome you to do so Uh, just record anything and send it to us, send it to us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, I've got some other fun stuff planned for that episode, but, you know, we would love to get some uh, listener submissions and get some cool stuff out there. So, uh, so do that. Yeah. And then one more quick thing. Check out the other podcasts on the Crit Nation Fellowship. Check out Crit Academy, critacademy.com. Justin and the gang are uh, creating new and reusable content for players and DMs alike. They've got great stuff that they're coming out with every week. And Justin has been on the hustle, coming out with more and more products, coming out with more and more uh, stuff on social media. hes They've always got stuff coming out uh, on their, their Facebook group, on their Twitter, all that. So check out Crit Academy. Also check out Brute Force and Ignorance. Uh, they're an actual play podcast. I know we had an episode about actual play podcasts a couple episodes ago. Um, So, yeah, you can get some great actual play content on the network as well. And then also check out uh, D&D Character Lab and the Kind GM podcast. Enough of all the admin. Let's get into some questions, Jeff.
1: All right. Our first question comes from Alchemical Brew on Reddit. And they ask,
0: why do sorcerers use charisma as their spellcasting stat? Yeah. So each of the different spellcasting classes in D&D. Uh, you know, and Pathfinder and uh, anything based off of those. Uh, they all have a different ability score that they use for their spellcasting. So in 5th edition d wizards go off intelligence because they have uh, they've studied, they have learned, they're using their knowledge to manipulate the energy in the world around them. Mm-hmm. Um, so wizards use intelligence. We've got druids and clerics that use wisdom. Uh, because they're, you know, they're connecting to the the connection with their deity. They're drawing power from their deity and so on. Uh, their connection to the world around them like that. Um, so wisdom for, for divine spellcasting classes, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. And then you've got sorcerers and warlocks who use charisma. So this question is asking, why do they use charisma? Um, so I was thinking we could get into exactly what it means. I guess what is charisma? We can talk about that. We can talk about uh, what it means to use charisma for your spellcasting stat, and then also maybe even throw out some other ideas for if they didn't use charisma, what would they use? So, I guess, uh, Jeff, how would you define charisma in D D? Well, I I know we've definitely talked
1: about charisma, yeah, in the past. Like, I think I feel like we've had a question like specifically about charisma. We've like, had a couple, you know, I think. I don't know. Like, I kind of see it as sort of like a willpower thing. Okay, or or you know, because like although like your will save is based on your wisdom, is that correct?
0: Yeah, um, I think I think when you say willpower, I think you mean like in the colloquial sense, not necessarily in the game mechanic sense. Because yeah, right. will saves were uh were, are wisdom based, uh, or at least you know in in uh previous editions were were wisdom based, but then again, I I personally think that wisdom in the D and D sense isn't necessarily wisdom in the colloquial sense, but I'll get right. to that in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I feel like, like charisma kind of, yeah, it's like your willpower. Cause it's, it is
1: sort of, or, you know, cause charisma confidence. Yeah. Well, like charisma means kind of means confidence kind of means, which kind of means willpower, sure. you know, like, so I can see that as like, it's, it is, you know, able to control, uh, being the, you know, being able to control your, um, uh, mental state, your perceived mental state. Sure. Um, and then like whenever I think like willpower, uh, like the, what is it? The green lanterns, uh, the, the green lantern core is all about willpower and like, that's okay. how they can, that's how they control their, their rings and like their, you know, their, their, all their, all their powers and stuff. Sure. Um, so yeah, like I, you know, I kind of, yeah, I kind of tie charisma to willpower in that in that sense when it comes to like, when it comes to like the spell casting side of it, mm-hmm. uh, with so like at least at least with sorcerers, um, maybe with warlocks I can see it be like charisma actually being kind of more in. Like, a, like, in the way that one would normally think what charisma means is being able to, like, schmooze your way through a situation. Sure. You're actually, you're having a dialogue, in a sense, with your patron who is giving you your powers. Yeah. So I can kind of see, like, you know, the strength of your charisma dictates the strength of the power that you're getting from your patron.
0: Sure, sure. And it doesn't even necessarily need to be that your charisma at the time of casting the spell. It could be that just the your charisma... You're using your charisma score for these spells because when you negotiated with your patron, this is the amount of power you were able to get. So maybe even if a player presented it that way, I might let them continue to use a given charisma score, even if something caused them to lose charisma, because this is the power I already have. I already made that negotiation, you know. We've already got the contract signed.
1: That's know? that's interesting.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I don't know. I'm I'm not saying anybody else necessarily should do that. I just think it's right. an interesting way to, to yeah. Think that's a like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So
1: yeah, like and and like in an in a sense, like with sorcerers, you're sort of yeah, you are sort of like schmoozing yourself. You know, like okay. you are you are convincing yourself I can do this. I can use this ability. I can fire this you know i can fire this cantrip i can i can i can shoot this fireball like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna do it like and like a lot of like in a lot of fiction and stuff when it's like some some main character has an innate power that they haven't quite gotten down like Mm -hmm. they got to find their inspiration or something they got to find they get you know they got to find their you know their way of of using that power um sure you know and like maybe it's like In in other fictions, where it's like somebody is the son of a great, powerful wizard or hero or something, and like you know, everyone expects them to be also as good, and like they're a disappointment, and they're like, "crap, no, what do I do?" But they got to find their own way. Sure. Um, and on doing that, and like that does take, there is a sort of amount of charisma you have to use on yourself to convince yourself that you can do the things that you're trying to
0: do. Sure. I remember a long time ago i heard somebody say like how how dumb are we as people when we lie to ourselves we're the one doing the lying and we still believe it right yeah like so like yeah like you're
1: like you you can be very convincing to yourself about being wrong you know like yeah yeah, th- so. that's
0: one way to think of it. So, um I think of it a little bit differently, and of course, you know, listeners, you can you can interpret this however you want. Just understand like the mechanics-wise, this is what the designers of the game wanted it to be. You can rationalize it however you want. Uh if you're the DM, I suppose theoretically you could change that too, but we'll get to that. Um but, you know, as long as you just understand that they do use their charisma, then you can come up with your own way to Justify it. Here's the way I justify it. So I'm actually going to give you kind of like a little bit of a treatise on ability scores in general. And I'm sure this has come up in the show before, but I like to think of uh the ability scores: there's strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, charisma. I like them in that order because I like strength and intelligence being kind of at the top of their the the line. So you got your three physical stats, your three mental stats. I think strength and intelligence have something in common dexterity and wisdom have something in common. And then I think constitution and charisma have something in common. So I would say strength and intelligence are both your capacity for doing something. Mm -hmm. So like whether you can lift a rock is based on what is the, what is the physical capacity that your body is able to put out? Right. So that's your strength. Similarly, when you are, are you able to learn something or to 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 solve a problem, that is your mental capacity. So like strength and intelligence are kind of similar in that way. Dexterity and wisdom, um, I think that the colloquial version of the word wisdom is not quite what D&D means in my opinion. I, I feel like in D&D, wisdom is just your perception. It's not necessarily that you are wise. Like, I really think that being wise is kind of, in D&D terms, more intelligence than it is wisdom, even right. though I know it's the word wisdom, whatever. I just feel like, because everything, you know, you've got your your will saves are kind of how well you're able to perceive the truth of something that's attacking your mind. Um, you've got your perception skill in there. You've got your insight skill in there. Uh, I think that dexterity and wisdom are both how well you're able to react to your environment. Dexterity is how well you're able to physically react. Wisdom is how well you're able to mentally react. Right. Then you've got constitution and charisma. Constitution, and I'm this is playing lots of word games here, what with intelligence and wisdom and being wise and so on. Ch- constitution is how strong your body is. Again, I know... Word games, whatever. right? But like constitution is how many hit points you have. It's also how well your body is able to resist poison, resist being petrified. It is how well your body is able to differentiate itself from outside forces. So if a, if a knife is trying to become part of your body, your constitution <laughs> is going to be able to say, no, my body is my body. Get that knife out of here. Same with poison and so on. Similarly, I view charisma as being how strong your mind is, how well your mind is able to differentiate itself from the world around you. Right. Because so,
1: if somebody is trying to tell you what to do.
0: Exactly. You, yeah. We, we've we talked about charisma in the past and I don't think that charisma is, I think you're selling charisma short if it's just your likability. Because a lot of people think, oh, that really loud, annoying guy at the bar, that guy has low charisma. I would say no. I would say the guy with low charisma is the one you didn't even notice. Because every time he tried to speak, someone else spoke over him. Because he wasn't able to differentiate himself from the world around him. So when you're trying to when you're trying to convince somebody of something that is you imposing your will, your personality onto someone else. So I love force of personality as being a description of charisma because I think that really fits the way that I view what charisma is. So the reason I'm going through all of this is because I think that it makes perfect sense for a sorcerer to use charisma because sorcerers gain their power from their bloodline we'll get to the bloodline stuff in a little bit sorry to keep pushing stuff down the road but <laughs> if if your magic is something that is just innate to who you are it's part of your soul so to speak then charisma is in my opinion the best stat to represent that because this magic is me i am this magic so how strong i'm able how strong my magic is how well i'm able to force my magic onto the world around me is going to be the same force that is how well i'm able to to force my my personality onto the world around me because they are one and the same you know so i really like charisma as a as an ability score for spell casting for that reason because like this is something that is innate to me it's part of who i am and so it is as powerful as I am part as, as whatever is me. That's how strong my magic is. I guess. Right. See. So um, I've heard people say, well, okay, sorcerers get their magic from their bloodline, from their genetic makeup, whatever. Shouldn't it be constitution? And, you know, my reaction to that is "Yeah, maybe that could work. Um that's that's not that's a cool way of looking at it too. Now the idea of having an a constitution based spellcaster probably sounds weird, and if it does sound weird, then that means you didn't play 4th edition D&D because in 4th edition D&D warlocks could cast off of their constitution. Huh. I don't know what the justification was in that case because it wasn't That they were getting it from a patron from their constitution somehow. I think it was just a balance thing. Like there were a lot of examples in fourth edition of being able to choose which ability score you used. For example, your fortitude save could be constitution or it could be strength. Right. Yeah. You could choose. Yeah. You could choose whichever one you wanted to use. That's the one that you used. Same with reflex. That was either dexterity or intelligence. And then your will was either Charisma or Wisdom. And I loved that. I thought that was such a cool idea. Purely a mechanical thing. I mean, it makes it makes sense in-game, too. It would make sense now, but it's not the case now. And it's just a mechanical thing. They just, they chose that they wanted, they wanted the game to be more about, you know, kind of focusing your stats in a specific way. They wanted to make it so that it was easy to make a character that was very, very focused stat-wise. Mm-hmm. So they allowed you to choose things like that. You could make a um you could have a wizard that basically only needed intelligence because their AC could be based off of intelligence, their range attacks could be based off of intelligence, right. their reflex could be based off of intelligence. Um, and then you could make a warlock that was just tons of constitution and everything went off of constitution. So that was cool. That was a cool option that they had. So if in fifth edition they had sorcerers that could cast from their constitution, I don't know what effects it would have mechanically, but there is precedent for it thematically. Hmm. So I mean that that would be cool. Can you necessarily think of can you think of any other examples of stats that a that a that a sorcerer could use for their spell casting? I mean, because like with the different bloodlines and everything. Um, yeah.
1: I feel like that can kind of tie into which stat that they use, so maybe if they're like a, a divine bloodline they maybe can use wisdom if they're okay are, okay know, that kind of a thing yeah uh, if if they're more of a i don't know like aber like like an aberrant bloodline, maybe mm-hmm. that'd be more Mac, uh, maybe that'd be constitution, I don't know, maybe uh. You know, or you know, if there's something more like a fae or something, that could be that could be wisdom as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I feel like it might be tied. It could be tied to the the type of bloodline that they, that they are. I actually really like that idea. Yeah, I'm not. I'm like, I'm trying to remember if that's a thing in Pathfinder. Oh wait, no, I'm thinking of in Pathfinder Second Edition. There's like the f- instead of like a uh, spell list for every class, there are four. Spell lists, and different right. classes might have access to different spell lists. Yeah, you know, there's like arcane, and obviously, a, a, like wizard would have access to that. But yeah. with sorcerer, it you get access to different spell lists based on your bloodline. Interesting. Uh, so I think I think like a similar idea to that would would be like yeah, just you're using a different mod, you're using a different stat depending on your bloodline of of you know what kind of sorcerer you are. Sure. Uh, you know, a dragon one. A dragon one could be, I don't know, a dragon one like a dragon bloodline could be like intelligence or charisma or something.
0: Sure. What if there was a there? Were, you were a you had a titan bloodline, so you used strength. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I you, love this idea. Yeah. <laughs> Good job.
1: Or yeah, because it's and like you know that kind of a thing could happen with um you know warlocks as well. Yeah. With, with depending on which patron they're using, and like I like fifth edition warlocks i think with the patron i like i like the idea of charisma just because the way i mentioned earlier was like i like i think it's kind of a neat idea that it's like they're they are they are sort of negotiating a contract with their patron to get the powers that they have so like charisma i feel i feel like is pretty fitting for them but
0: yeah yeah no i really i really like that um i feel like i heard that during development, they thought about giving sorcerers Constitution spellcasting instead of charisma, mm-hmm. but I don't recall where I heard that from. So I'm I might be, might be talking out of school, right? And like, I feel like there maybe
1: maybe like people's initial idea, like hesitance to Constitution is that like because Constitution's like tied to your hit points, yeah. Like it's sort of like an overpowered thing to like, it, like if your constitution is your primary stat for your for your class, mm-hmm. like if you're dumping all of your points into constitution, like that, I feel like that's that could be powerful because like okay, now I have a bunch of hit points because I have a high constitution, sure, and it's my casting stat, so I'm really good at attacking, yeah, you know, it can it can feel kind of you know powerful. That being said, like there are stats like dexterity which. Can do the same thing, because Dexterity is also tied yeah. to your, your defense, your AC, and a lot of
0: classes can use it as their primary stat. Right. Dexterity has has always kind of had that issue of, like, being the strongest stat, just because right. so many really important things have always been based off of it. I feel mm-hmm. like 5th edition has toned it down a little bit. Right. Yeah, but it's like, still there. Yeah, because even, like, with reflex saves, like, a
1: lot of things go off a of reflex save. Mm-hmm. Like, you know... Uh, breath weapons reflex yeah. save uh, fireball reflex save
0: like what What goes off a what's a charisma save Jeff there's not many yeah there's not, really many. not there's, many there's like, a few yeah
1: there's some and there's some where I'm like oh wow that's a charisma save I didn't realize yeah. that and they're like they're out there but like it's not it's not a common one yeah having constitution being your your casting stat could be seen as powerful but I don't know it's I, I feel like it's it's fine
0: yeah
1: like, like the balance—the balance of your abilities, like because you, you can only make your ability scores so high. Right. It, yeah, it's not gonna break your game if your character, like, even if like somehow your AC, hit points, and your primary attacking stat were all in one, were were all in one attribute. Yeah. I don't think that's gonna be a like.
0: It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a powerful character, but I don't think it's gonna be a broken character. It's gonna be a powerful character in combat. Yeah, but the game can be and arguably should be more than just combat. Well, and that's the thing though is like because if you can
1: if I can put my 18 to my Constitution and have good con, you know have good uh, attack and yeah. hit points and defense. Then that means I have all these other points that I can put into anything else that's and that true. way I, that's make, true. I could just like dump the rest into charisma, and now I'm both really good at combat and really good at you know roleplay. yeah know, fair challenges enough. so like again, it'll be a powerful character, but I don't think it's gonna be busted because it's just a lot of a lot of the rules in 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 all of these systems like usually like you can't have above this amount of stat when you first make your character, like yeah, in fifth edition. If you're doing point by, you can't have above like a sixteen or seventeen or something like that. Um,
0: I think yeah, the standard array has a fifteen as a yeah, app.
1: so fifteen. So yeah, I don't think you can have yeah, you can't have above a seventeen. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, so like that's just that's that. You know, like that. Yeah. There are, there are other things that are balancing that, and I don't know. I don't I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that powerful to say. Right you know, to, to let somebody use a constitution score as a casting sc- uh,
0: casting stat. It's definitely worth trying. Like I would let somebody, I would let somebody try it and see yeah. how it, uh, see how it works.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. Like, you know, and, and usually I'm, I'm probably biased because I create a lot of characters. I'm like, man, I wish I could. <laughs> sure. If only, you know, if only I had a few more points to put into this stat or that stat, you know, I'd be, I'd be a little bit more happy with, with this build. Yeah. But again, like in most cases I don't think it's going to break like that's not going to be what breaks the character that's not that's <laughs> right, not going to be right. what, what breaks the adventure or the game like that sure. that really isn't like having a few extra hit points on top of being you know and, and on top of being to actually make more roles than you know like and again there's roles you know like <laughs> I really don't think that's going to that's going to make a character overpowerful it might make them powerful just I don't think it's going to make them overpowered <laughs> Apparently, I, I had, we had a lot to say on this one. <laughs> so, I guess, yeah. yeah. All right. Our next question comes
0: from Eklunds on Reddit. And they ask, what is your favorite utility spell? Yeah. So, um, you know, you've got your your combat spells. Um, let me actually see if there's an official answer. Let me just type in what is a utility spell. Okay. Uh, according to... Oh, that's, oh, <laughs> this is... Uh, From Wowpedia, so it's the wiki for World of Warcraft. According to Wowpedia, utility (laughs) is the term for a spell or ability that has some special effect that is helpful, but usually not directly combat-oriented. There are exceptions, some combat spells with especially odd effects are referred to as utility spells. Anyway, so, yeah, utility spells. You've got your combat spells, your damaging spells, and then you've got, generally speaking, your utility spells, your spells that are just not, not necessarily for dealing damage, just kind of everything else. Right. Yeah. Like their,
1: their intended use isn't necessarily for combat. Sometimes, sometimes you can maybe squeeze it in there, figure something yeah. out. And like, you know, there there's, there are plenty of people who like have found broken ways to use utility spells in combat. Cause a lot of times utility spells are balanced in the way that they're not, they're not meant for combat. So like you can usually use them more, um you know more often like combat like utility spell like there's a lot of utility cantrips oh yeah you know so like it's like okay like like the whole thing with prestidigitation like can you like people have found ways to use prestidigitation to do stupid amounts of damage (laughs) yeah and a lot of that really is like well if the dm lets you do it then
0: i guess but and and also it's it's low levels where people don't really have very many combat options so right everybody's always trying to find especially with a spell that doesn't cost anything to cast yeah people are going to try to figure out how to do it yeah um so yeah i uh i kind of just went through the player's handbook and was just like looking at various utility spells and i I picked out ones that i like what sorry i just i just thought i just thought of one but go go ahead okay sorry I, I picked out ones that I like, that uh, particularly ones that I haven't really seen used very much, because you know, there's you got your fly, you've got your haste, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cure wounds. Everybody knows a cure wounds, is. that's not my favorite. Yeah. You
1: know? Well, I mean, well, first, I guess, I guess a healing, well,
0: healing. I, I feel,
1: I feel like healing isn't isn't a utility spell.
0: Yeah, I, I wasn't even sure exactly where to draw the line on whether something is utility or not. Yeah.
1: Cuz like because healing can be used in combat and it is directly it, it, I feel like it's more directly related to combat because you're healing yourself, you know, hit sure. points. I, I I feel like healing does not count as a utility spell, but okay. I, I don't know. I Fair I, enough. I, I, but I can see that I I go either either way.
0: Yeah. Like invisibility. Okay, that's a cool spell everybody everybody loves sure. it uti- loves invisibility, but like it's it not my u- favorite. Right. It's yeah, and that's another one where it's like it's
1: definitely i feel like it's utility in nature but it is i i feel like it is its primary use or like well i don't know about primary use but like one of its main uses is you turn invisible so you can make a sneak attack or something you know sure so i but yeah but i I, but i feel like that one is a utility spell but that is a very that could be very used very well in combat yeah i don't know i'm sorry i'm I'm (laughs) just that's fine I, i don't mean to harp on all the things you're mentioning
0: no, no, it's yeah. I, I understand. Like there isn't. It's it's weird where to draw the line. You know that's why I even go. That's why I even got that uh, that Wowpedia definition because right. it's just <laughs> kind of anything that uh, is not directly combat oriented. Right. You know. So I've got a few examples. Um, I'm not sure if you uh, what you have, but like I can go through my list and then uh, anything you want to add. Uh, sure, feel free. Yeah. So I'll kind of go. These aren't really in any order, but I do have my favorite one at the top. So I'll get to that one last. Um, uh, word of recall is a spell. Have you ever seen word of recall used? I'm not hundred percent sure what that one is. It's basically teleport, but you always teleport to a specific location. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like you, you have your home base and then you attune the spell to that. And then every time you cast it, it teleports you back to your home base.
1: Right? Yeah. That's you know, that's, that's a very common thing in like a video game or something. Like you have your, you have your recall spell. Or your hearthstone or um, whatnot. It,
0: it never got used, but in uh, the campaign where I was playing as my my cleric Saythorn when I was playing as Chronic S Block, I um I had a town. Like I, I sort of became mayor of a town separate from the rest of the group. Nobody else knew that I was the mayor of a town. And I story wise, I told the DM that I was making a one use, a single use magic item of word of recall. Um And gave it to, or wait, how did it work? I don't remember exactly how I made it work, but basically I had made it so that the people of the town could summon me there anytime, just one time. And so it was there for emergencies. If they ever needed it, if they absolutely needed me, they could do this thing and it would word of recall me back, (laughs) back to my home base. It never came up because I think the campaign ended probably before it ever would have. But I liked the idea of like having, I don't know when this is, this is just a plot thing for the DM. I don't know when this is going to come into effect, but hey, DM, you can pull me away anytime you want if you have a good reason. Right. Yeah. That's you know? an interesting,
1: like, th- th- yeah, that's a, that's a neat thing to have for your character. That is also a nice thing, a nice tool for your, for your DM. Like if it, if he, like if you're a DM like even if it's sort of like oops i almost killed you by doing something by making a mistake of putting a way too powerful enemy in front of you or something like that they could be yeah. like oh you get summoned away and it's <laughs> sure, and it's a sure. fun like it's a fun thing it's like it's not a hey guys i i i did i i did a dumb and can we undo <laughs> the thing that just happened because sure. i didn't prepare for this it's a, oh my God, your your people needed your
0: help for something. Wow, that what that that's so crazy. <laughs> right. So yeah, word of recall, I think, is it's just I like it better than I like teleport, even though teleport can do so much more. I just like something that, you know, takes you to your home base. Or right, hey, yeah. what if you found a scroll of word of recall that was attuned to a specific location and it was a location that you couldn't get to any other way? Sure. Uh, another one tensors floating disc it's an oldie but goodie you know i i know this this isn't an uncommon one everybody uses this spell but it's just it's just a fun little spell yeah right um rope trick and sequester are two spells i mean they're pretty pretty different in scope but they're both kind of like i need to hide something for a little bit
1: yeah Rope, Rope rope trick yeah rope trick is pretty good i like rope trick
0: Yeah, Rope Trick in 5th edition lasts for an hour and you can hide yourself in like a little pocket dimension thing and then you can even make it so like nobody can even see that you're there. Uh, And so you can hide there for an hour. Uh, Sequester is much more long-term. You can even, I think, you can have it be indefinite as long as you have it set for a specific trigger. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, that's kind of, you, you select a person or an object or whatever and it just kind of like you set whatever conditions will cause it to come back and then until those conditions are met it's gone it's just it's it does not exist mm. uh so i think that's a, a neat thing similarly imprisonment could <laughs> could be used offensively but right you know could be used non offensively
1: yeah imprisonment's pretty good yeah
0: so that's uh it's i believe ninth level it's a very very powerful yeah. this thing is trapped yeah like forever. You really,
1: yeah, you need to just, you need to make something just gone. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's like, it, like you can't, if it can't be killed, you're going to do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, a couple other, a uh, couple more spells that are kind of similar to each other. Hallucinatory Terrain and Mirage Arcane. Okay. So these are two spells that make an environment look like a different environment. Uh, Hallucinatory Terrain is a much lower level version so like Mirage Arcane can affect like miles and miles of area and make it look completely different you can have a lush forest look like a desolate wasteland you can have a kingdom look like a forest Uh, you know you can have a forest look like a different forest who knows (laughs) Uh, I just like how they're, they're illusions but they are not necessarily illusions that are anybody's going to be directly interacting with, you know? Sure. Um I just think a good, you know, a good illusion can be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh this one I mean is is kind of combat related, but it's it's uh, uh I think death ward is really interesting in 5th edition D&D. It used to be that it made you immune to a bunch of stuff, it made you immune to negative energy effects, made you made you immune to undead effects. Uh, in fifth edition D and D, death ward just means hey, the next thing that would reduce you to zero hit points reduces you to one hit point. Huh. That's
1: cool. But I don't know. It's yeah. Let's it's, it's like for like you could use that for like traps and stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like if you know something really nasty is about to come and you have no other, you can well, well I'm gonna survive it. I won't survive another attack if another attack comes after, but I will survive this one. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean. <laughs>
1: Or right. if there's some like big catastrophe or something about to happen like a freaking meteor or something, about Sure. Hit, the, hit the the fane of
0: scales is falling from the sky. Right? Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You'd be like, "Ooh, uh, let me use that let me use that one, you know, scroll of death ward I have."
0: Yeah. Ooh. I mean, or, or also like it's it has a fairly long duration, so uh just you just have it on you and then anything that would kill you doesn't kill you. Right?
1: yeah throw it on run down the hall of the of the uh uh tomb of tomb of horrors sure
0: oh jump into the uh jump into the demon face
1: (laughs) i don't know if that would work yeah i feel like that wouldn't work i don't know (laughs) because yeah there's no damage i don't think there's any actual damage uh with the uh with a
0: sphere of annihilation yeah i don't know um next up I have commune or commune with nature like any of those spells really just anything that lets you speak with something beyond the mortal realm I think is pretty cool mm-hmm. so like commune lets you speak to your deity yeah like not not directly I think you like ask them questions or something but still that that's pretty cool yeah absolutely um like that's yeah that, that a lot of a
1: lot of cool stuff can come from that
0: yeah um, I think Alter Self is a criminally underused spell. Alter Self, yeah, sure. You know, it's, you can disguise yourself, but you can give yourself various natural qualities. You can give yourself uh, a natural weapon. I believe you can give yourself gills. I don't have the spell handy, and I'm huh. not going to look it up online. Uh, <laughs> you can, I think you can give yourself like a climb speed or something. Just like, little. you know, you used to be able to give yourself wings back in third edition can't do that anymore sure but yeah i just think yeah. that it's a it's a really cool spell and it, it just like it it partially alters you to be some other kind of creature right you know? yeah because yeah otherwise that would be a second level fly ability yeah i mean well, but again it, it was in third edition it was a, just a really crappy fly but still right because there was uh maneuverability the flight yeah.
1: maneuverability
0: stats or whatever
1: yeah you'd like you'd like like, yeah, like 20-foot clumsy
0: or something like that. Right, right. Yeah, I, th- I think the Fly spell gave you good maneuverability, which was one step below perfect. And then, yeah, I think it was clumsy is what you got from Alter Self. Right. Um, I think that Forbiddance and then Hallow and Unhallow are some spells that like I feel like players never use, but I think are pretty cool. They're cool things to put on a dungeon. Forbiddance is um you... Select an area. There's a specific amount of space you can choose. Forbidden makes it so that uh, nobody can enter this area except a specific creature or a group of creatures that the caster determines. If you enter that area, you take a ton of damage and like might get just bodily pushed out of the area. Um, so I think that's really cool. And then hallow and unhallow, they're things that you've definitely encountered in adventures before just whoever casts the spell, you know? I think think it's a cool effect. You can make an area holy or unholy. I mm-hmm. think you can also put additional effects onto it when you cast the spell. Um, you know, it's just, it's a cool thing to be able to make an area, make a dungeon, make a home base more aligned with, you know, you and what you are. I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, similarly, there's the spell's antipathy and or there's there's one spell antipathy slash sympathy which is you make an area or object either repulsive to certain creatures or very attractive to certain creatures so like you can make it so that you can cast this spell on like a on a statue and anyone who looks at that statue is in love with the statue and they need to get closer to the statue or they see the statue and they want to run away. Right. Yeah. That's so cool. Like, yeah, that's that's neat. I never see anybody use that, but it's, it's such a cool idea. I want to use it on stuff, you know? (laughs) Um, and then I've got just a few more, uh, anything that lets you see other places like clairvoyance or scrying, I think are really cool. Those definitely come in handy on adventures. You can see what's inside a room before you burst into the room to attack. Um, scrying is even cool to use it's cool for for uh for monsters or for villains to use on the party you know and then there's fun ways to foil scrying but then there's fun ways to foil the foiling of a scrying spell you know um and then any of the conjure spells so like conjure elemental conjure animals conjure fae. Any of that kind of stuff. I just like being able to conjure stuff, not just for its ability to attack. But you can summon a helper that has knowledge you don't have, that has abilities you don't have. Sure. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good point. Like certain at least a higher level like conjure
1: spells, like you are conjuring a demon. Yeah. And demons aren't stupid like yeah. they're not just mindless like you know mindless monsters that attack because you conjured uh, you know attack the things that you conjured to for them to attack like they have they have a life outside of being conjured yeah uh cuz like that's the whole point of conjuration it's not you're not creating a monster to fight for you you are calling it from its plane of existence yeah to you know do your bidding cuz that's the the part of the spell is you're basically like you know i have brought you here and i am commanding you to do this thing but it's like you know it's like a demon it's like i've i've brought you here to like let's talk about demons for a while huh like like <laughs> what like so you might need to you you might come you might like your big bad evil might be a type of demon that you can conjure and you can conjure one of those
0: demons and see if they know anything about this guy yeah like that's really neat um and then the last one that i put is uh Demi plane. Oh, demi plane? Because I mean it's just so cool. Right. Oh yeah. You create a demi plane.
1: Yeah. Oh absolutely. Yeah, like yeah, it's not to you love. Got your, you got your own little demi demiplane. That's yeah. the, the like who doesn't want that? <laughs> like if we're if we're voting for like what spell I'd want to have in I like IRL, like that's definitely yeah. one of the one of the top contenders is like to be able to like like if if my house was was a demiplane like if my if my living space was just in a demiplane that i could just pop into anytime i wanted no matter where i was yeah that would be great you just that yeah. you could travel anywhere cuz it doesn't matter cuz i'm always i'm always a spell cast away from home sure but i guess teleport can do that too anyway well i suppose and yeah. word of recall <laughs> sure but i mean like again like a demiplane's got more to it than that yes. i guess yeah. but
0: it's it's so cool i love it
1: um there were, there were a couple more um, cause yeah, yeah, definitely a few of those were were, uh, were among my favorites. But, uh, I also have, fabricate, which okay. I brought up before as sure. one of my favorite spells. I think it's like fifth level or something around that level, and it's basically just turn a turn turn materials into finished product kind of a thing. Like okay. it is a, yep. I think it's a ten minute spell, and it does a bigger area depending on the level of spell, but you can basically turn a pile of wood into a shed in 10 mm-hmm. minutes. Mm-hmm. So if you like really need to get out of a storm or something, you know, whatever, do that, build a bridge or fix a bridge or something like that. Like build a, build a small bridge to get over a, a, a ravine. You can, you can do that in 10 minutes. Like, I, you know, it, cause it, it always makes me think of full metal alchemists where it's basically like you, you know, they draw, they draw a transmutation circle. and can turn, you know, raw materials into a finished product you know into a into a you know into into something useful sure um i was think that's good the other one that i uh that i thought of while you were going off earlier uh it was Leoman's tiny hut okay yeah and it's, a popular I, one. it's like it's good i love that spell like it's yeah. it's just like I, I remember coming across and being like wow this is a really good spell and like yes you could use it in combat because like you can basically protect yourself like you can kind of well actually i don't know what the casting time it is to be honest one minute right because it's a i think it's also a ritual spell i think so yeah so yeah which would make it 10 minutes to cast as a ritual i think right um so yeah like it's just you basically put up a protective dome and i think it lasts for eight hours or something like that. Like I feel, or or at the very least, you can like you can you can do a short rest in there, if not a long, also a long rest.
0: Uh, eight hours.
1: Eight hours. Right. Yeah. So, like, you can you can long rest <laughs> in there and be like, you know, not perfectly protected, but pretty much, you know, most things are not going to be able to do anything about it.
0: Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think I think we had some good uh, some good spells to think about in there. So I think that'll do it for our regular questions for today. But we do still have our social media questions. Our last social media question was, uh, do you listen to any actual play podcasts? If so, tell us your favorites. And, of course, we had Damien from Adventures in Aurelia on. Uh, did you – I don't recall, Jeff. Do you, have you listened to any actual plays? Um, I mean, like I've definitely, like, listened to – like I've listened to a couple
1: episodes of uh, uh, of Damien's show. Mm-hmm. Um. But like in general, I don't want I don't listen to actual plays. Sure, because it it is one of those things where like I just like I don't. Know, it's it's hard for me to get into because like I can't get out of the like like I can't just like suspend my disbelief. I guess. Sure, sure, yeah. Like I, 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 it. I, I guess it's I guess that's the right term, but like it's like a suspension of disbelief sort of a thing where like I can't just like I can't shut my brain off about how they're playing a game the game sure, rather sure. than just like the the fun of the story yeah so uh yeah it's a little difficult for me to watch for to listen to those types of things so i, I generally don't but like you know i mean ventures in aurelia go go listen yeah uh you know like i'm you know i've i i do not dislike any of them well <laughs> sure, sure i guess i haven't listened to any that i don't
0: like absolutely hate but then yeah. again i haven't listened to many so um, so we got a few responses. Darren W. on Facebook says, no, I tried Critical Role and even listened to your actual play episodes, but it just feels like watching slash listening to an unboxing video. I can't seem to get into <laughs> live play pods. Probably should have put trigger warning at the start and no offense also, LOL. And no, no offence, Darren, I totally no get it. Taken. Yeah. I, no offense <laughs> taken. I 100% get it.
1: I like that. (laughs) Unboxing video. Like, yeah, no, I get it.
0: Sean M says, listen, no, but I have become a critter watching Critical Role, although I will need something to fill my podcast hole left when two brave adventurers plan to go to the retirement village. (laughs) Yeah. um, I don't like the expression podcast hole. Um, (laughs) That's not good. Over on uh, Reddit, Alstar the Minotaur says, I listen to quite a few. The Adventure Zone is the thousand-pound gorilla in the room, but there's some other really good ones also. The Glass Cannon podcast is a Pathfinder actual play run by a bunch of bros mixing in sports and theater references in equal parts. It has phenomenal production value and a fun cast of characters. Not Another D&D podcast is a homebrew 5e podcast run by a couple of former cast members of College Humor. It'll make you cry as often as laugh. However, my favorite is Dimension 20. They produce video content to go along with their shows as well. It is truly an incredible production. The DM for most of the seasons is Brennan Lee Mulligan, who is my gold standard on how to be a good DM. There you go. Um... Nemopomen... Nemopomen says i've been listening to high rollers started from the beginning and i'm nearly caught up i think it's well done i'm also looking for more suggestions for actual play which i responded there will be lots of suggestions in uh yeah two weeks ago's episode yeah uh rock nathal says i don't like to because it makes me miss my game i feel you i feel you buddy sure uh Jason E. says, Glass Cannon Podcast. It's a Pathfinder first edition playthrough of the Giant Slayer Adventure Path. They also have a whole network of other podcasts available through their Patreon. And yeah, that's our friend Jay. He's he's recommended this to me in the past. Mm-hmm. So I'll have, to, I'll have to check them out. Uh, LJ Hui says, Dungeons and Daddies, not a BDSM podcast. Amazingly <laughs> funny D&D 5e actual play podcast. Highly recommended. And then Arcanist Winterbrand says, I have listened to Critical Role Campaigns 1 and 2, not very excited for number 3. I have also started the Adventure Zone. The most unique thing is we record our sessions and I listen to them before the next session. Much easier to do that than take notes if you have the listening time. My work affords me the same same audio capacity I think Gabe talked about having one time. And yeah, I have many, many, many hours, about 50 or 60 hours a week to listen to podcasts. So (laughs) that is beneficial. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have anybody on Twitter, and then over on Discord, the discussion actually f- went very off-topic, um, very quickly, and it's hard to kind of uh, to find a kind of sort through it all. And also, <laughs> this episode's—I uh, I have to be somewhere in a few minutes anyway, so I think I'll just say go check out our Discord and see some of the discussion on there. Uh at bit.ly slash discord. So that was the last social media question. Our next social media question, and I should probably mention that this is gonna be the last, this is this is going to be covered on our last normal episode. So this is gonna be covered on episode two fifty. Mm. So appropriately, the question is: in the next year, what are some of your gaming goals? Mm.
1: Well, I I would like to continue playing with uh you, Jay and Ske- and Steve.
0: And Skeve, yeah. Skeve.
1: Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Steve. Uh I also uh within that group I I've I have i I've got I mean, we've all sort of uh you know, told each other we have plans to do some uh GMing, so
0: Sure, sure.
1: But I do I do have uh, you know, something specific in mind as far as like, I, like I do want to run a pirate. I do want to continue that pirate adventure, or at least some some version of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it'd be awesome to play as Captain Tobias Winter again. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: I'll yeah, I'll try to um, I don't know, like because I because I I, did, I donated to the Kickstarter for um, what the heck is it? Roll for Combat. Uh okay. And then they have like a pirate adventure that's tied to it, and so like I'm excited. I'm excited to get my hands on that and uh, take a look at it and see what I can. If I want to run that just you know straight out of the book or maybe maybe do some you know do some adjust adjustments to it. so mm-hmm. um, so yeah, like that's you know, I, and i I feel like I feel like I'll probably be able to do something with that within the next year.
0: Yeah, cool. So yeah, like uh, I don't recall if it ended up on the finished episode or not, but yeah, we um in our you know, group chat between you know you and me and the other two guys in our gaming group uh like jay is currently running a campaign and then like you said that you are interested in running a campaign in picking up a campaign or starting a new one i think and then steve said something like oh you know actually i was also thinking of, of running <laughs> something and i was like okay in the service of full disclosure i should probably mention i i too was thinking about running something next year <laughs> so i i have two things in mind that i would like to run um you know either for us or maybe for like i don't know maybe a, a Looking into the future, possibly some sort of a podcast-related thing. If I decide to jump back into podcasts so soon, <laughs> but um, in particular, two things I want to run at some point. Uh, one is uh, Tomb of Annihilation. I got Tomb of Annihilation for my birthday last year, I think, and I think it's really cool. I like a lot of the stuff about it, um, and I've only I've played like the very very first section of it. So uh, I would like to. Play the whole thing at some point, mm-hmm. you know, and to, to run the whole thing. Um, so, you know, hopefully do something with that in the next year. Also, there's an adventure that I've kind of wanted to run for a very, very long time, and it's called Curse of the Azure Bonds. I used to have a computer game based on it. Yeah, It was a second edition Forgotten Realms adventure. And I've just been, in, in recent weeks, I've been thinking about, like, oh, man, if I could run anything, if I, like, had the opportunity to run an adventure and everybody was just down for whatever... I think I would like to try and run that. Mm-hmm. That's also, as far as I know, it's a lot shorter than Two Annihilation, so chances are higher that I will attempt that before I attempt, you know, something else. So, I don't know, I just think it would be a lot of fun, and I've got some fun ideas for how it could work, you know, if if we, if I or whoever did take part in it. So, anyway, cool. I'm, those are my goals, is to play one or hopefully both of those things. Nice. Really, just play more D&D, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So I think that'll do it for our questions for today. Uh, but before we close out, let's wind down. Let's take a deep breath. <sighs> Twilight has fallen. The beasts have been slain. The townspeople have been saved. Your job is done. It is time to set your armor down in The Last Retirement Village. cuz I keep I kept thinking that we were done with retirement villages and then Damien brought one in and then we just got one right at the last second from uh, Wolfpack Nate on Discord. Yeah. So I guess that... here we are, Wolfpack Nate. I hope you're happy. <laughs> I don't know why I'm acting like this is a bad thing. <laughs> How dare you. Right. Anyway, Nathaniel Wolfthorn is a level 15 or 16 half-elf circle of the moon druid who I played through the Tyranny of Dragons campaign my brother ran, Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat for those who don't know. After the module part ended, he had gained a magic quarterstaff that had been dropped in the final battle by the former head of the Emerald Enclave and one of his friends had fallen into the portal to the hells when Tiamat was defeated. Spoiler alert. For a few years after the battle, Nathaniel threw himself into his research and role as new head of the Enclave, and eventually, he and the rest of the original party reunited to go save their friend who had fallen into hell. This was a homebrew continuation of the campaign that my brother started running for us, but life happened, and we kind of stopped meeting up and playing. He has since expressed interest in starting up another game in the West Marches style, but for now, Nathaniel has rescued his friend from hell and is just focusing on running the Enclave. One day, he may pull a staff out of the closet, and the Packmaster... He was raised by wolves, and the staff was a homebrew item my brother made for me, called the Staff of the Packmaster. The Packmaster may return to the fray, but for now, he runs the enclave, though he does still yearn for the call of adventure. And that's pretty cool. Um, Good job, uh, Nathan. So let's raise a glass in memory of Nathaniel Wolfthorne. As we say... (laughs) <laughs> oh, i'll put some echo on there clink <laughs> all right that'll do it for today to submit questions for us to discuss items for the dragon's horde or stories for the funeral pyre please email us at interpartyconflict@gmail.com. for show notes links to media mentioned on the show and running lists of questions and magic items go to interpartyconflict.com Join the discussion on social media. Find us on Facebook. We're on Reddit. We're on our Interparty Discord. We're on Twitter at InPartyConflict. Check those out for our weekly social media questions. Your answers might end up on the show for now. (laughs) We're not going to be having very many uh, more of those. And you can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, YouTube, Spotify, anywhere you download podcasts. Please rate, review, subscribe, or just tell a friend. If you want to support the show monetarily, we do still have a $1 tier for our Patreon. We're not going to be putting out any more content after this month. However, uh, I still want to keep everything hosted for the foreseeable future. So every every dollar helps. Every little bit helps. And there's tons and tons of content on there. Hundreds of hours worth of content. Maybe not hundreds of hours a couple hundred hours worth of content on there uh, for anybody who wants to, to join. Jeff, tell us about FriendQuest. FriendQuest is a YouTube channel where you could watch us play video games. There you go. Also, head over to bit.ly slash conflict and tell us your favorite moments from the show. If you do, you'll get two free printable board games, courtesy of the great people over at hollandspiel.com. And our music is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless the Hackers RPG. So, Jeff, until next time... Don't find yourself in a podcast hole.